This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and this time we're talking about Loki Episode 3, Lamentus. So what's the plan? There's a town near here, and can you shut up? Just because I have to work with you doesn't mean I want to hear your voice. All right, well, slow down, variant. What part of imminent death confuses you? Don't call me variant. I'm sorry, but I'm not calling some faded photocopy of me, Loki. Good, because that's not who I am anymore. I'm Sylvie now. Oh, you changed your name. Brilliant. It's called an alias. It's not very Loki-like. Yeah? What exactly makes a Loki a Loki? Independence, authority, style. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. It is I, Chris, and you are listening to the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. This time we are talking about episode three of season one of Loki, Lamentis. I am joined by my illustrious co-host, gentlemen. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. Yes, and rounding out the lament, uh, I am your third and final host, uh, John. I like that. I like that. A little bit later this week with our recording of Loki, uh, we're most likely going to be recording every week now on Thursdays uh, after the episodes get out. These episodes tend to be quite heavy with uh, with stuff that's in them and we don't want to miss anything when we're recording, so we're recording a little bit later. But it also means that we get some more of your feedback in, which we absolutely love for the Defenders. Yes, but to be fair, what is time if not a construct of just imaginations? It's fine. It is all controlled by the TVA. You can blame them. Exactly. And indeed, what is love, Chris? Love is but an imaginary dagger. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Goth, the philosophical uh, musings of Loki mm. and Sylvie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we will get deep into that as we get into our episode, I'm sure. Yes, but let's not bury the discussion too far. If you are not following us, make sure you head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com where you can follow us on any good or evil podcast catcher as Guardian or, uh, or what's the Midgard? There you go. As Guardian or Midgard based podcast catchers. We're on all the places you can find us there. But when you're over at tvpodcastindustries.com, you can also leave us a voicemail or you can send us your feedback or voicemails to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Don't forget, we're on all the socials, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Twitters, but over on facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries, we also have our beautiful group where you can come in, talk to like-minded fellow defenders about all the fun and games that is Loki. Give us your thoughts. Give us your theories. Because you know what? I have a lot of theories. We have hit the halfway point, And I think I know where it's going. But do you? What's your theory? <laughs> My theory is I have no idea where they're going to be going from here. Because I have no way of going anywhere from here. But we'll see. We'll see. Yes. <laughs> there we are. But gentlemen, let's get into it. Derek, do you want to tell us who gave us what this episode? Absolutely. Once again, from head writer Michael Waldron and lead director Kate Heron, who directs every episode of the season. Uh, this episode was written by another upcoming head writer, Bisha K. Ali. Um, is a British screenwriter. She's worked on sex education in the past with other writers from this show. Uh, she's also credit- credited as a story editor on this season 
and has been tapped as the creator and head writer for the upcoming Miss Marvel TV show on Disney Plus, which we'll see, I think, towards the end of this year. It's already completed. So I think it's at the end of this year. It's just, just marked as late 2021 at the moment. Uh, no one ends date yet, but really cool to see a uh, writer for one of the shows moving on to become the lead writer on the next show, effectively. And it looks good. Yeah. It looks very good because I've seen a couple of comic accurate costumes but also there's some funny you know that kind of um paparazzi style shots we get from on set sometimes there's one of her running and she's doing it's the lead actresses doing her and biggin kind mm-hmm. of using her powers and without cgi and uh, just a for paparazzi guy it it looks a bit weird I know yeah. it's going to look amazing in the end, but it's just this one person going, yeah, and throwing out her hand. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I always ignore set photographs, but there was a great one, a great uh, version of that for uh, Doctor Strange with um, Benedict Cumberbatch and Benedict Wong jumping in the air. Do you remember the gift yeah. that was just <laughs> yeah. used and they kept replacing the background for loads of things? Yeah. Because uh, it was just recorded in the center of New York with no actual CGI going on. Yeah. But I remember that. That was a, that was a great set photo. So, yeah. But let's get on with this discussion about the episode. John, do you want to give us uh, the synopsis for episode three of Loki? Sure. After interrogating Hunter C-20 for information on the timekeepers, the Variant arrives at the Time Variant's Authority headquarters to complete her mission, closely followed by Loki. He proposes a team-up, but the Variant refuses. When George Renslayer confronts them, Loki uses a tempad to take them both out of the perilous situation, but into an apocalyptic situation on Lamentus One. With the tempad out of power, they are stuck on Lamentus One, which is due to be destroyed by a dying moon. With meteors falling and gravity quakes becoming more frequent, they need to charge the tempad to escape the apocalypse. As they try to find a power source for the pad, the variant tells Loki she goes by the alias of Sylvie, and she's been running from the TVA her whole life. She also reveals later that the Minutemen are all variants, stolen from their time and made to work for the Time Variant's authority. (gasps) After a run-in with a lady and her big blaster, Loki and Sylvie sneak their way onto a train reserved only for the wealthy to get to the planet's evacuation vessel, the Ark. This is the only power source powerful enough to charge the Tempad. During their journey, Loki gets drunk and is thrown from the train, closely followed by Sylvie, but the Tempad is broken in the fall. Their only hope now is to hijack the Ark that is shipping survivors from the planet to escape the apocalypse. Loki and Sylvie fight their way to the planetary escape vehicle but are unable to make it through the crowd in time. Their only option is to watch on as the Ark is cut in half by a falling meteorite as the moon begins its final descent towards planet Lamentus One. It is a massive cliffhanger moment for this episode, really, isn't it? Uh, How are they getting off the planet? What's going to go on? What's happening here? Uh, they, They exhaust every option at the end of the episode and... If I, th- I think I'm right here. This is the shortest episode of the season. I think it counted at about 35 minutes from opening credits to, to closing credits. So that's almost like the level of WandaVision. Like that's, we're pretty short on this episode, but it's yeah. a very compact story. 
uh, in this episode. They're pretty much telling you we're getting from this point to this point, and they do that, and the episode ends, basically. Yeah, it is. It is. But it, it is a little weird, um, I have to say. I was kind of slightly kind of surprised, dare I say it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just because it is only six episodes long. Yeah. I guess it's the moment where um, they're in the TVA, the two of them. So, um, you know, the escape there from um, Judge Renslayer, that's kind of not what I was expecting. Um, I, I thought there was gonna, this was all gonna be within the TVA, uh, after we'd seen where she had, um, you know, teleported to ultimately in this episode. <laughs> so it did feel like, you know, that big, um, zig, as Chris would say, when I definitely thought they were just gonna be zagging in, in, a, in the TVA building. Right, right. So let's discuss all of those zigs and zags. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into it. Our top five variants for this. Kicking off with variant number one. The variant herself, itself, interrogates Hunter C20. Let's kick off at the beginning, gents. Yeah. Like, we, we open in a margarita filled bar. Yum. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I'm not drunk. Part. I'm just full. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lots um, of drinking in this episode once again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we should have done whiskey watch, but now it would have been tequila watch. Yeah. But yeah, we so we wake we wake up and we wake up with Hunter C twenty and we see Hunter C twenty in this uh, bar with yeah. what we knew as the variant at that point. Yeah, uh, kind of or, a little flashback to what we saw in last week's episode. We saw uh, Hunter C twenty waking up yes. with the team arriving and telling them that she's revealed this information about where the timekeepers are, and now we see the flip side of that: this uh, variant who's probing in her brain and pretending to be her best friend, effectively. Yeah. Uh, she thinks she's her best friend, thinks she can tell her anything. And it plays out, I think it plays out really well. It plays out like you're seeing the variant. We'll talk about her real name later on, obviously. Uh, but you're seeing the variant in a in a previous time. You think it's the real person and they're having just a conversation together. Well, at least I did. Um, that this is just a, a flashback to who she was before she got captured by the TVA, effectively, is the way I was thinking. And then suddenly it's the weird weirdly proposed question after what seemed like a really normal girls night out basically and then it's just that weird question of how many people guard the timekeepers and you're going oh okay this is just all in her mind yeah exactly i definitely thought it was a flashback because it wasn't until that point i was like ah that's the variant (laughs) i just didn't because of obviously not cloaked up and doesn't have the horns on the the mini horns or a one horn or yeah it it was um i was thinking who is this and i was just saying oh it is a flashback Mm -hmm. um and so yeah that was really good with the kind of then the the slow ominous music coming in and it kind of time jumping uh, I did like I did like the whole explanation around the the brain freeze as well. I thought <laughs> yeah. that was quite quite cool. Dare did, I say it? Did anybody Google it? Did anybody find out whether that's a real explanation of brain no, freeze? No, it, it like is it. not. They, 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 it is close, but is not the cigar uh, for brain freeze. <laughs> it's uh, it's to do with the 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 pain receptors and synapses. Uh, with the temperature in your mouth changing, right, um, and the causing the 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 neural network, the 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 synapse, the the nerve endings between your mouth and your brain, kind of basically being overloaded. Right, it's weird. You saying neural network, like obviously we have a neural network, but it 
I associate it so much with like Terminator <laughs> or something like that. I was going and data Hang from, on. from Star from Star Trek. Data always yeah, exactly. the neural network. And so I'm, I'm. It was just like, oh my goodness. I meant nerve nervous system. Is that better way? Right. But okay. uh, we do have fellow defenders who are doctors who can yeah. probably give us yeah. the actual the, the technical term and then we'll just read it out as a part of our feedback for next yes, episode. Yes, do I, I don't need to use my usual disclaimer. We are not doctors here. Yes, thank you. Well, one uh, of us is a actually, doctor here. Sorry, yeah. but, but not, not <laughs> the medical, medical variety. Doctor. Not the medical <laughs> variety. So don't ask me to sort of, you know, prevent a heart attack no. on a plane. Otherwise, <laughs> I am in deep trouble. <laughs> my basic first aid. <laughs> um, I have to call out the Sophia, and who plays uh, the variant, and Sasha, who plays Hunter uh, C20. Mm-hmm. Loved them in this. It, yeah. As you said, it was that girls' night out, and it's one of these reasons that these two actors are becoming fast becoming, I should say, like some of my favorite actors in kind of our nerd space, right. if you will. Um, they they really are they. And that's one thing Marvel is great at doing. We have to remember Tom Hiddleston was a nobody uh, along with um, Chris Hemsworth. Like they, and they got flack for when they, uh, they announced these two lead actors for yeah. uh, their, their Thor film. And I was like, who? Um, and I think this is one of the things that like, Marvel is well known, in my opinion, now is now well known for getting these. You kind of go, I don't think this is going to work. Who are these people? Why not get some more well-known actors? And then like, oh, no, this is perfect. Like the embodiment of these, of what we see across these, um, just in this even opening flashback is fantastic. Yeah, they they do a nice blend, don't yeah. they, of They're kind good. of experience and... And new actors, I yeah, think. but it's it's every single one, you know, right back to Robert Downey Jr., who was, we'll say, down in his luck in his career uh, at the yeah. time that he was cast in Iron Man. Chris Evans, you know, why are you putting the Human Torch from that yeah. Fantastic Four movie into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? As you say, Hemsworth and and, Hidd- and uh, Hiddleston, uh, complete unknowns. Was there a known character in the first four? Who's who? Are, who's the fourth uh, member of the of that team before the Avengers? Ed Norton, who was. Incredible Hulk, and yeah. then was recast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no. There's, there's no other one really that nobody no. else that was known coming into these uh, shows as a great actor, really. But they're great at choosing character actors that can play these roles. Absolutely. I always feel that you know, in in hiring Chris Evans, that someone in Marvel, whether it was Kevin Feige, knew that you know because he plans it out. There's this mm-hmm. idea of he's this master tactician, and you know the storylines. Was he going? Yes, that is America's ass. Uh, <laughs> the first Avengers was even kind of in production. Um, he was thinking that far ahead. Twenty or was he just hypnotized by it? <laughs> I guess <laughs> he's um, like you. Literally got this big kind of whiteboard <laughs> that goes around the spine spans of a room and it's just like the story of America's ass 20 <laughs> films later that's it absolutely that's no. how I know the Avengers uh, series uh, yes <laughs> the story of America's um, ass I we want to I want to quickly discuss the hallowed halls of the timekeepers because very quickly we see the variant escape to uh the TVA headquarters mm-hmm. uh we see that very fun moment where she attempts to use magic Oop, magic doesn't work. Yep. Um, she then incinerates one of the timekeepers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> She's a good fighter as well. Very good. Well, and surprisingly, we'll talk about it later, but mirrors the same moves Tom Hiddleston does 
when he's fighting as Loki. Okay. Um, so it's really interesting, especially when we see at the escape part later and the, 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 the training battle. Oh, they right. actually okay. do the exact same moves, but with Jif, it's like basically different heights and kind of frames yeah. doing it. There's certainly that. There's certainly a great move that she does where she uh, runs up the wall and flips over, taking yeah. out one of the uh, yeah. timekeepers, which I thought was really sorry. One of the <laughs> timekeepers, not timekeepers, not yet. Uh, one of the hunters, yes. um, which I thought, which I thought was really cool. But but yeah, she's using her own technology on them and wiping them out of existence. Effectively, is is the is what's going on. I think that it's a really cool fl- fight. But Loki's appearing right behind her. Effectively, he's arrived back just as we saw last episode. He's jumped in behind her so he's not far behind her um and proposes to work together effectively which, which is which is great you know he's had that discussion where they're already she's refused and now he's he's here and he kind of knows what her plan is she's there to kill the timekeepers which is pretty much what he wants to do except he wants to take over the tva because uh, he thinks the power that they have is massive whereas it seems like the variance version of this plan is that she's just going to destroy the whole tva yeah and uh, you know she's making her way to the gold elevators that she's learned from c20 there's two things that really kind of stood out to me one on the um it, it was just on the sound design the batons of the minutemen mm-hmm. as they're being swiped at uh, the variant th- there was a that, that kind of electrical crackle that it felt like kylo ren's lightsaber that that kind of slightly mm. sort of off off pure lightsaber yeah. i guess uh, it felt like that and and the other was and maybe it's been in, in episode one and two as well certainly when they've been in the tva but the the music here uh was just so vangelis from um blade runner, blade runner. Yeah, exactly yeah, like it was really like that um i loved it and it gave a really nice feel and it felt like it was just building and building to them you know getting in front of these um the the gold elevators mm-hmm. um to to go up to the timekeepers um just you know just before Renslayer obviously is is there ready to attack her absolutely and it was building like and that was the, the one of yeah. the such an interesting the music starts swelling the mm-hmm. fight the action ramps up like I did think this was going to be a more kicky, kicky, punchy, punchy story, story episode based on that. And then essentially we get Renslayer confronting the the Lokis uh, and uh, we have the variant grabbing Loki, the other variant, dagger to the throat, which he grabbed back. I love that little nod. He grabbed Mm -hmm. his daggers back from um, Mobius's uh, locker. Yeah. But... Basically, and she goes, yeah, kill him anyway. Go for it. And then it's essentially, all right, everything through the door. Story, episode, everything goes through that door and we essentially land on a new planet. Exactly, exactly. Uh, One of the things I do love about these scenes here is neither of these Lokis actually matter. To the hunters, they're not, they're not looking to keep them. They're not looking to put them on trial. They're now just looking to wipe them out, basically. So, like you see, Judge Redslayer is, as you say, coming, arriving there with two of the hunters just to kill them both effectively to take them out. And that's, that's the deal here. You know, we're not, they're not going to be interrogated again or captured again. They're just going to be killed. So, um, it makes me wonder what will happen after this when they do find their way back to the TVA or if they do find their way back to the TVA. Um, I presume it's not going to be on good terms uh, yeah. i presume the whole army of the tva is hunting uh the two of them now. yes but you're right chris on to on to uh, variant two 
Uh, they're on a new planet. We're off to the planet Lamentus One. And I had a question at this quick moment here for you guys. So which which one are you going with? Um, it might depend on age here, but which one are you going with? Is the rest of the episode a Doctor Who episode or is it a Rick and Morty episode? Doctor Who. Very much this felt for me, Doctor Who. Johnners? Okay. Oh, definitely. Um, Doctor Who all the way. Um, in particular, that it's a mining um, yeah. planet. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, just because I think in order to give that space age feel without huge amounts of special effects at least certainly in the early days mm-hmm. um then they would frequently go to the the welsh slate mines yeah. to, to film this. <laughs> so um this yeah. yeah this was definitely uh reminiscent of, of doctor who mm-hmm. uh with the the use of mining to help with the the, the more kind of i mean now they I guess with the budget, now they go to Iceland, don't they, with all the yes. the, the, the black volcanic beaches and stuff. Yeah. Um, but back in the day, back in the 60s and the 70s, where I guess even the bins weren't getting collected, then, um, yeah, it was straight down to the Welsh uh, slate mine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, a bit of colour on, on the on the lens. So, yeah. And then you're, and then you're sorted. You're on another planet after this. <laughs> um, but, and once again, yeah, the reason why it partly felt a bit like um, a Rick and Morty episode to me is because it's about these two characters arriving on a planet that's destined for destruction and they're trying to save themselves not the planet or the people on it they're trying to save themselves and get out of there and use every trick in their book to get them out of this place and they're both massively intelligent just like rick as well so the question i have was who's the doctor and who's the companion Ooh, controversial well yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. it would feel like I would say the variant or Sylvie as we'll, as we'll uh, begin to call her, uh, because this is where we find out her name. Um, I would say she'd probably be a bit, a bit more doctor-like because she's been here before and she knows what this place is. She's the one giving it, dispensing the information and yep. Loki's, uh, using his uh, tactics to help, I suppose. Um, which feels a bit more companion-like, even though yeah. he's the central character of the show. But. True. I, I would be in agreement there. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Lamentus won. Um, from the comic books, looks mm-hmm. accurate to the comic books. It was okay. in Infinity Annihilation arcs. Right. I don't think we're going to get the the kind of Nova and the Nova Corps and mm-hmm. uh, the Negabans and kind of Quasar and all that because that's from the comic books in, the, in terms of where. It, but it very much comic accurate. Looks purple, mm-hmm. purple in this. So yeah, it was good. No one else cares. But I remember this because I loved that uh, big series, the Infinity, the Annihilation series, the, mm-hmm. that, the whole series that yeah. came out with Cosmic. It was very much a Marvel Cosmic event, and it was great in the comic books. And I remember this being in this with mining miners, and it was a yep. good story. Um, but they chose this, obviously, just because they needed a place to an uh, a Armageddon event. Mm-hmm to lay the brakes on. Before we move on to our next variant uh, and discuss the conversations, what happens as they're there, how did you guys feel? Did they, did they essentially have slammed the brakes at this point? Like, we, we went from, what, like you said, it was the, the music, the tone, the action, everything was ramping up within the first few minutes, and then you... you you go to a, a walking simulator to for for a few <laughs> kind of. for a few minutes. Kind um, of no, um, but you know what I mean. Sorry, I'm, I'm joking. I'm being yeah. very facetious on this, but it was just it was such a. I found it quite jarring. 
Okay. In terms of the story, just they literally it was all ramping. I was like, "Oh my god, they're gonna get like the big mid-season reveal. We're gonna like find out the timekeepers. They're gonna go up in the elevator." Yeah, oh, I mean, okay, we're now on a different. Oh, are they gonna go back? Oh no, okay. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I felt a bit the same to be honest. Mm. I mean, basically, sort of, kind of taking notes on it. I, I just did shame they left the TVA because. Um, you know, but I mean, this, this works for them to get to know one another outside yeah. of a, a manically paced situation, which you could have had with them sort of in the TVA fighting off a load of Minutemen. But nonetheless, you could still have, do- I mean, they're very chatty, these Lokis. Mm-hmm. And so you could have had, you know, to some extent, the exchange of information, not some of the more, um, sort of, per- personal ones like the the one around the mo- their mothers which i thought was really nice but um on on the train but i i think like i i did it felt like it, it took it out um yeah. of it and it, it's just more because and i don't normally say this really but mainly because it is only six episodes long and i think as you say it was a bit like them applying the brakes and i yeah. thought well that's interesting. You know, let's, obviously it, it works for the scripts that they have. So fine. And um, I guess the thing for me that it will pay off is because it's such a cliffhanger. And I think this is possibly where it, it kind of, um, how it will be seen, you know, is because it's such a cliffhanger. What happens next? And I, I know that sounds really tropey me saying it, but. <laughs> At the moment, I've got this really awful suspicion that given the potentially two things, but the, one of them is that literally Mobius turns up to get them because they've managed to track them, um, in, in some way. Um, and I, I feel they could have kept it really nicely in the TVA sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but yeah, my own feelings on it, I don't think this pushed the brakes on it. I think you would have had a very exciting action filled episode in the TVA, but. You've spent two episodes wondering who the figure in uh, in a in a hood is. They meet, and this is a really good way, from a writing standpoint, this is a really good way of putting yeah. your main two characters with zero distractions other than the impending apocalypse uh, <laughs> to be able to sit down and actually talk to each other and give reasons for it. You know, the traveling on the train, well, they can't do anything other than talk to each other effectively. So yeah. it gives great moments for the two of them to realize who each other is and find out more about each other. And I think it's, yes, there are six episodes, but if this character of Sylvie is going to be there for the rest of it and, and become a member of the MCU effectively. You need to have some time with her alone and find out more about her. And I think you do find out some in the episode, whether it works or not. I'll talk about it in my defense later on um, as an episode as a whole. But I think the decision to not have an action packed episode and have an episode where the two of them sit down and talk and make some kind of friendship yeah. or some kind of uh, relationship between the two of them, I think was, a, was the right impetus. Yeah. But I think as well, you could have the, the friendship forged in battle at the TVA, even in Die Hard, there was always the quiet moment mm. uh, as he was hiding away under a desk or something to, but uh, I no, I mean, it, it, it worked for me. Yeah. I think just, it was like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. They're going in a different direction. And yes, the, the timekeeper thing is going to, maybe be closer to to the end or something i i thought we were going to just get that um 
sooner, which I felt was really different. And so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. but certainly, um, yeah, they, they needed to get to, to, to know one another for yeah. sure. Um, I think. So let's speak about the getting to know. Let's speak about the moment on the planet. Move on to our variant number three, which is essentially the, the best we can say is the, the train journey, the, the before and we'll include Let's include the conversation to the train mm-hmm. and let's include the train itself. Absolutely. What did you think of this time spent, the character development? Tell boys, what did you think? Well, just before the, that, I definitely loved the lady with the big blaster. I love the <laughs> fact that they, you know, they needed to find this energy source, uh, to, to, um, to charge up the tempad. Firstly, I like the, the variant, um, was, Basically was taking a neon sign, um, and to, to trick Loki into handing it, uh, back to her after he had hidden it through his enchantments. Um, but then realizing that it needed a much significantly bigger energy source. Mm-hmm. And so there's this lady with the huge blaster, which you were thinking, okay, this can be used. And I thought that's why they were possibly going in there. Um, but I, I loved this with the, the, the interchange with the variant being blasted off by kicking through the door and taking the direct approach and then Loki coming in with his diplomacy and, and then just the lady saying, Patrice would never have said something that nice to me in the last 30 years mm-hmm. and effectively landing in the same place uh, as his namesake uh variant so i thought this was really really nice and of course even then that the the big gun because that was a massive gun mm-hmm. um you know i felt like arnold schwarzenegger should have been sort of handling it rather or than at least rocker raccoon yeah it rather than yeah. a lady in a you know in a kind of a rocking chair um so mm-hmm. but then the fact that that isn't even enough and they actually need the power of an entire spaceship um, is like, okay, then. Okay. Mm. So, I mean, but it makes the reason, you know, it's their reason for getting uh, to the train. Yeah. Um, it's the, the reason they need to sort of make it there, as well as the fact that, you know, this planet, you know, they're on a ticking clock. It is 12 hours till boom uh, mm-hmm. time, you know? Boom, we will get to. But before we do, we get a name for the variant. We get a conversation. Don't call her Loki. Don't nope. call her the variant. Um, I thought this was interesting because there's obviously been loads of speculation about who this character is. You know, people had, had seen the name of the character pop up in the credits. About two weeks ago, it was the Spanish credits for, yeah. for the character that were up there saying Sylvie. So they made the jump to the conclusion that it's a character called the Enchantress from the comics. We hear a conversation with Loki where he continually says to her, teach me the enchantment. So indicating that it's an enchantress. But it's interesting in the conversation the way that she describes herself she says i'm no longer loki yeah i've chosen a new name for myself my name is sylvie she has that conversation with loki saying um what it what does make a loki a loki to him defining that she's a very different person but it's still a loki started at the same point it seems um started uh potentially on the ice giant planet born there maybe she wasn't adopted by uh odin uh, maybe she didn't know her. Well, she says she didn't know her mother. Um, so we don't know her full backstory. There's loads of other bits that need to be filled in, but it seems like her point, I think from, from what she's saying, her point where she changed from this 
sacred timeline of the TVA seems to have been way, way earlier in her life. She says that she's been chased her entire life by the TVA and this plan that she has is years in the planning. Did it change, you know, four or five years? I think it's, sorry, four or five years old, I think, when Odin finds uh, Loki Lofison and takes him back to Asgard. So is that is that the point where it changed? And because she diverged from the timeline there, she's always been chased from that point onwards. Is that is that what that moment is? We'll probably hear more about that to see when it was that she split off. But I think that's what we get from the interaction. She's a massively different character because she wasn't brought up the same way as Loki and that made her not part of the sacred timeline, I guess. She yeah. was told she was adopted from the early age. Yeah. Um, yes. um, and uh, she did, Freya was there. But Freya didn't teach her magic. So that was when she did say. She, she said didn't she hardly remembered her mother at all. Yeah, she, yeah. It's, it's like a faded photograph. Yeah. She had no in, in uh, no interaction with her mother. And yes. this enchantment spell is, you know, she has had to learn uh, all of this. Um, herself. Yeah, herself. Yeah. Like it was interesting as well because, you know, the enchantment stuff, as you say, was heavily kind of signposted mm-hmm. here. Um, but it was even just when she was saying that, you know, the stronger willed people, she needs to kind of really sort of put them into a situation like she had to do with C20, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and give that memory of their past and keep them sort of, uh, in, in, in that memory and, and all, and inhabit, um, the memory physically. Um, so I, like, I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I was just wondering, and um, again, because uh, kind of a bit like with saying, you know, will it be just that Mobius turns up and saves them from this planet? Or is this some kind of enchantment? Because as well, like you have Loki saying, I need to know that I can trust you or, you know, mm-hmm. as they're walking after mm-hmm. they've been thrown off the train. I need to know that I can trust you. Like he feels he's the one that has effectively been giving her all this information in the same re- way that she would was was working to get the information about yeah. the timekeepers from yeah. C twenty. So I thought this that was the other thing that I thought was really good here um, as well uh, with this whole interaction between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love they are differentiating um, uh, Sylvie and. Loki, um, because it mm-hmm. does allow you to create. Theoretically, Sylvie now can be her own thing. In the MCU, she can it means she is not bound to, essentially, be sidelined by the end of this series to a degree. She can now become her own thing and become a character throughout. Um, and you're right; they said they the. The, the leak on the credits two weeks ago kind of started signposting that the, the, the use of the term enchanter, enchantment, enchantment, enchantment. It does lead you to believe, oh, this is, uh, essentially the, the enchantress from the comic books mm-hmm. and she wears some green. Oh, so does Loki. Oh, and then it was Lady Loki, which is also in the comic books. It seems they've kind of created a, a amalgamation of these two to be a, a name. Yeah. The enchantment parts, and then the a female Loki, and but again, I like this because it does allow Sylvie to go beyond because you yeah. could not have yeah. two Lokis. It would just not saying that people could couldn't handle it, but like that's like literally having two main Thors within the MCU. Thor one, Thor two, two. Like yeah. you need a way to differentiate them, even in naming conventions. 
honestly, just as a podcaster, having both of them named Loki would be really, yeah. really irritating. So then Loki <laughs> said to him, and then Loki said to her, and then Loki said to Loki, um, yeah. would be just a pain. So uh, the differentiation, fully appreciated. Yeah. Um, I will also call out, like we, we've mentioned before, as as uh, all three of us are comic book readers, the character of Enchantress is, I would say, reasonably minor character. The character of Lady Loki, I think I've probably seen more in cosplay than I've seen in in comic book pages. Like, they're not massive characters, so changing their origin is very simple for the MCU to do because they've done that for major characters in the past. Every single character gets their origin changed for for the MCU anyway. But when it's a character that doesn't have a huge amount of backstory, you know, less than 10 years old, it's very likely they won't have a huge amount of fans <laughs> that'll yes. be annoyed by the changes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, I'm a fan of Nick Fury who has a 60-year history as his yeah. entire story has changed uh, for the MCU. So, yeah. So, just very quickly, there's two Enchantresses in the comic books. So there's the original Enchantress, um, which is the kind of the main one that everyone kind of would know from the Thor and all that. And then there is the Sylvie Enchantress, which is, again, yeah, about 10 years old, um, is an actual product of spoilers lady loki um which like her origin is tied to lady lady loki um uh who i don't know i'm not i'm not going to spoil it it's a good story read some of the um the avengers uh siege and uh the disassembled storylines within the comic books if you want to know more about lady loki or the enchantress um but but not massively well-known characters yes you're right that's the thing they're not well known and so i think this is, is is a fun way and it's a fun way to differentiate them, just even for us podcasters. But then also, when we start to get into this beautiful storyline and the conversation on the train mm-hmm. uh, between Loki and Sylvie about, yeah. like, the story from Loki on the the small bit of magic, the fireworks that mm-hmm. he learned from uh, Freya. And that was just, it, like, again, one of the reasons I'm loving these uh, shows like the Disney Plus shows is because we're getting more time spent with some of the characters that we've yeah. loved than yeah. ever before. Yeah. So we got it with Wanda. We got it like Wanda, the whole backstory, and I love her and Vision's characters even more. Mm-hmm. Same with Falcon, Captain America, and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Uh, like Brilliant. loving them even more now because we've spent so much time with them. Mm-hmm. This is the same with Loki. Like this small like small bit of backstory even further kind of cements the 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 at the, the the part from episode one where he sees Freya die. Yeah, yeah. Like and the tear. Like because he now knows that his future was to get his mother killed by yeah. accident. But also now we know even further we knew that she was the one who taught him magic. She was the one who always kind of his protector, quote unquote, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. It was the, the that he was the good son, and no matter what happened. Yeah, you got the feeling right the way back from the original Thor movie that, that Freya was on the side of Loki and, yes. and Odin was on the side of Thor, yeah. very much so. Thor had his moment with, with Freya that we saw in Endgame, and now you're seeing that there was a good connection between Loki and, and Freya the whole time. I do feel in what came across for me in this episode and how Tom Hiddleston's been playing the character of Loki since that first episode, he feels a bit heartbroken. He feels... Yeah different character than we've seen remember this is the character from the Avengers and that time in the Avengers he was very cocky even though he didn't win the fight he was still 
slagging off the Avengers. He was still attacking the Avengers yeah. verbally to the point that they stuck the stuck the face mask on him to stop him speaking. Now that he's found out his future, and now that he's found out that his whole life didn't have the glorious purpose, I do think Hiddleston's playing it quite well. This character that's a bit broken. He's a bit different than we've seen in the other movies after the Avengers. I yeah. suppose it's even um, like I do really like that about the character. It's even like how he's he. You know, he downplays Sylvie's glorious purpose mm-hmm. because, well, I would never have done that. It's kind of like everything, you know, seems to be at odds with what he, you know, thinks of himself, yeah. but also knowing how things ha- played out for him ultimately to his death. So I thought that was really good. And I think, yeah, that the, the conversation between these two on the train, um, it was really, I loved this interaction between the two of them. Um, I thought it was just so good, even just, and, and a scoop for our fellow defenders, um, that, you know, Derek does share something with, uh, Loki in that he also hates to travel backwards on, <laughs> on, on a train. Um, yes. Um, whereas <laughs> I love it because it's like being able to go backwards. Um, and, but then she has, I need to have my back to the door so that I can see the entrance, you know? Yeah. And he's and like, I love that he calls it out going, there's doors in every direction here. You're just, <laughs> yeah. you're just trying to annoy me, basically. Um, but a part of the broken part of Loki uh, that we're seeing here is also him turning to alcohol. Um, you know, we, we see that moment when he gets offered champagne, he takes two glasses of it and then, uh, she takes a rest, uh, Sylvie takes a rest and he goes for even more drinks and more yeah. drinks and then it cuts to, him living his true Asgardian life, let's say, where he's, uh, he's singing his Asgardian song. Um, the only English words we have for it is the, the, uh, when she sings, she sings, come home being repeated over and over again, but he's getting everybody else on the train all whipped up into this enjoyable. Uh, it sounds more like a lament to me, um, for, for the Asgardian side of it, but then the bit that everybody can join in with sounds pretty raucous and, yeah. and pub-like, but it does sound like a lament, the, the actual uh, tune of his Asgardian piece, but there's no translation for it. Definitely. And I think Loki himself, as you were saying, you know, he's lamenting everything mm-hmm. about his life. Yeah. Uh, and he's also ironically on uh, a planet that shares the same kind of uh, derivative. Well, absolutely. We are on Lamentus One. Uh, this is the first lament of the Loki, uh, of the Loki opera, I guess. Uh, I, I do love there is another callback to Thor as well. Uh, you, you may have noticed it where he, uh, where he grabs his glass and slashes on the ground, which is another. very like uh, yeah. Thor from the original Thor where he gets a cup of coffee and does the same thing. <laughs> but he's a true Asgardian. That's, that's, that's definitely the thing here. Let me see. <laughs> of course, the only true way. It's the, it's same with the Greek plate smashing. It has to be done. It's just when in Rome or it's the same with any Irish man and two or three pints of Guinness, to be honest, Chris. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um but that does that drunkenness leads to them being discovered uh and uh, a ruckus ensues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this. This was quite a fun. Even a, a drunken Loki still fights very well. Yeah. Um kinda. Hey, he kicked, he basically Sparta kicked a guy through a window. Yeah, I loved it. He, he did, but his initial moment at the beginning of that is he's trying to use his magic and he magics up the fireworks yeah. again. So he's drunk, and I, I think yeah. that's what's happening in this scene. That's why he's not. That's why he doesn't win. That's why he gets knocked out the window. That's a real punk way to go out for Loki. <laughs> I think he. I think he's just not at his best because he's full uh, of alcohol. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 
the other thing as well, importantly, on the the, the conversations as mm-hmm. well, before they get thrown out of of the train and things go from bad to worse with the tempas. Yeah. But um, is is that you know, uh, the 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 script here does you know take on board and it is gets explicitly said about Loki being by. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's really important that that's called out. Um, it's whether it's by accident or design, given the, that we're in June, um, <laughs> and it's Pride yeah. Month. But I mean, ultimately, you know, th- this is a, a big thing for a lot of fans, Absolutely. um, both of, um, film and comics so i think this you know that's another element um as as sylvie talks about whether there was a princess or a prince in asgard that you know he he loved uh, as they're trying to determine what love actually is and he he responds with there were many of both uh, much like yourself sylvie so confirming yeah she's also bisexual exactly um, it is really important to see that kind of representation because it's so easy for uh, for a massive Marvel studio as they are to just ignore it and not mention it. Um, the character himself in the comic books has, has had moments, um, yeah. where, where he's classed as a bisexual. Uh, he's attracted to, to, to both sexes in the comics and has had moments with both. Um, and they could easily have just ignored it like they have for 10 years. Uh, I think it's important to have a major character that you've already identified as bisexual in the comic books at least refer to it in one conversation over the course of those 10 years. It's much more important that we'll see the uh the lesbian characters and gay characters that are upcoming in their movies like Eternals and in uh in Marvels uh coming up and showing that on screen the way that they've shown um straight characters like Tony Stark in the past. You know, that that's really important. But I'm really glad that it's here in the episode, uh, in a, a very natural conversation. Yeah. Well seeing that the main openly confirmed gay character in the MCU so far, like the literally only one that's opening there is one of the Russo brothers in Endgame? Exactly, yeah. 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 So to date. Sorry, yeah. to date, I should say that. Is the only one that has been actively, openly portrayed. Yeah, and that character didn't even give a name. No, he just went on a date. Exactly. And then hopefully he was going on another date. I completely agree. Uh, uh, as someone with no skin on this game, aside from you lovely gentlemen, um, this was representation is fantastic, no matter who, what, where, when, how. And it yeah. seems that happy coincidence or I, I think the timing wise was probably happy coincidence. I don't think they're going to aim to have that moment ah, yeah. come out in June, yeah. but yeah. I think the important thing, be it what, what was discussed and brought up in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Captain America and the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. and regarding race and all that type of, and then this where in uh, episode two, episode one, where it was announced his agenda was fluid within uh, an episode one. Um, that uh, even the main Loki variant that we are well used to, his gender is fluid. On the it was on episode one on the rap sheet uh, from the TVA. Yeah, so but, the, suge- but in a, in a different way. That was a that was screenshotted and, and put out there. Nobody mentioned it on screen. You know, it's really yeah. important to me as a gay man when characters are called out as being a member of the LGBTQ plus community on TV shows that it's done naturally because you don't want it shoved in there you don't want it forced in there and in these conversations it's in there the character of loki from norse mythology is gender fluid he he can transfer to being male or female so at least they have had that in in the mcu this is the character of norse mythology turned into a comic book so uh, so at least they've had that but here having it as part of a conversation i think it's really important that it's called out in the right way and isn't 
forced on screen for everybody to see it. In other words, it's a conversation between two people and it doesn't really matter going yeah. forward. That's just who he is. And I yeah. think that's really important. No, and I, I think, look, it was so well done that, and it was so well uh, implemented within the writing and the narrative. I didn't even, like, I was gonna say I didn't even notice it, but I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, right. We're moving on. They could, they move out of the train. Yeah. Yeah. And just call out a note, uh, from Kate Aaron, the director of this episode and, and, uh, when the showrunners effectively for the show, just she, she made a note of this directly after the episode aired. She said from the moment she joined Loki official, um, it was important for her and her goal to acknowledge that Loki was bisexual. It is part of who he is and who I am too. And I know it's a small step, but I'm happy. Uh, and my heart is so full to say that now it's canon in the MCU that Loki is bisexual. So I thought it was really positive that she called it out that way after the episode had aired. Uh, and just made sure that she was saying she wouldn't have been on board the project if they were ignoring it from from now on kind of thing. So I think yep. that's important. No, excellent stuff. Love is love. Love who you want to love. Absolutely. Um, but yes, we get the battle. Both of them kicked off the train. Uh, Loki thrown out the window, uh, missing his uh, his opportunity to take out all of the guards. Um, yeah, so effectively this is all caused by him getting drunk yeah. and, uh, and the guards uh, noticing um, that obviously isn't someone that's expecting to go to his death. He obviously isn't some rich guy. He's already taken off the uniform that that was his cover uh, getting on board and spotted pretty quickly but uh, but it was it was a, a fun moment when he just disappears out the window and Sylvie has to jump out the window after him. Yeah, I like a little scream as well mm-hmm. uh, that makes her feel better with the just a little flash of green. Uh, I thought that was quite nice. When they have their fight yeah, after, yeah, they, yeah, after yeah. they meet up with each other. Again, like, yeah. you idiot and just <laughs> The, the sort of, yes, controlled scream of, um, sort of just pure frustration and mm-hmm. um, that she's got this, uh, talking Loki. And he smashed the tempad, uh, yeah. after falling out of the train. Yeah. Yeah. But with that, on to variant four, because they now need to get to the arc. Yes. Not for its power source anymore, but, um, effectively to hijack it so they can, uh, at least attempt to get off this, um, planet that mm-hmm. is about to go, uh, I was going to say apocalyptic, apocalyptic, I guess. Apocalyptic. Uh, yeah. Apocalyptic. Yes. yes. Um, not apoplectic. No, I can't say it. Anyway, look, I'm, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not drunk. I'm full. Um, I'll just say that again. So yeah, I mean, they have to sort of go there. So they, they head on their way. And um, to, to try and hijack then this arc, which is taking primarily, you kind of figure, um, from, from some of the scenes, um, uh, with the blue brigade as they're getting onto the train and, and with the crowd assembled there, um, that the, you know, it's just the wealthy that yes. are really getting shipped off Lamentis one. Yes. I'm, I wasn't sure whether that was just the train because uh, yeah. at the location where the Ark is, there's so many people there all trying to push on board and, and get it on could board the train. Be, yeah. I think it was get on board the Ark. Sorry. But, uh, but it felt like definitely the train taking people to the Ark was only taking rich people at this stage. Um, I guess they made it. I, yeah. I guess they made it because they, uh, Loki and, and, uh, Sylvie would have walked there, whereas the train would have gotten there yeah. quite a bit of time ahead of that. Yeah. yeah. Now there was a little bit of time and space issues for me, um, mm-hmm. here because they seem quite a long way away and <laughs> yeah. you could hear, but at the same time, you could hear the speakers, I guess, but it, it looked quite a long way and it was 10 minutes until. Takeoff for for the arc, 
Uh, and by the time mm. they get there, there's five minutes to go. And I, I kind of thought, okay, that timeline looks a little weird to me. Um, and I was thinking, well, you know, this is timey-wimey, spacey-wacey kind of stuff. But I, that also, for me, I just wonder, is this because he's enchanted? Because we saw the time jump mm. um, with C20, and I thought maybe it's something to do with that. Because really? otherwise... It, it's one of those things, you know, like, it's kind of like in a James Bond movie where the, the, the clock is, or actually, let's keep it in, in the Disney Plus family. It's like when, um, in New Hope, where the Death Star is counting down to firing its laser mm-hmm. at, um, uh, the planet where the rebel base is. And I always remember as a kid counting it. Mm-hmm. And said, "Uh oh, the empire would have won <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because basic, but it's just obviously shooting and, and all that kind of stuff." Yeah. Uh, but that that was a little. The time felt a little off there, That's but I did yeah. wonder whether it was somehow connected to actually this situation that they're in. Yeah. Um. Be- it, it's an odd so, one, isn't it? Because it, it feels like if it is the enchantress that has enchanted. Loki, that she would be pushing him in some direction. She'd exactly. be giving him some more information to get him on side for when he comes back. Um, after being enchanted, you know, if, if that's the situation, it feels like she's been so standoffish and not giving him any information to encourage him to join her fight or whatever it is that she would want him to do. So it that does seem like a weird one, but you're right. That, that moment when they hear 10 minutes to go and they're there within five minutes, yeah. that feels like okay, well, maybe they use their powers to jump uh, from one place to the other. Yeah, maybe. Which could they have could have been, done yeah. after falling out of the train and they wouldn't have had to walk that far. Um, yeah, there's, there is that reference from Loki as well in the walk. Why don't you enchant me? And then um, I can you just, can walk it and I can fall asleep. Yeah, inside, exactly. Inside no, so, uh, it would be a great call out if that's actually what, yeah. you'd, what you'd done anyway. The uh, other interesting one, quickly, it did make me chuckle, was right at the start, just after... You, you see Sylvie having, having enchanted C20 mm-hmm. and you've got the banks of CCT cameras. But all I can say is one of those CCTV cameras was certainly being operated by Steven Spielberg or dare I say it by Kate Heron because it was a very low angle shot for uh, one of those cameras. And <laughs> um, that could be easily vandalized. Um, yeah, yeah, but it, uh, it <laughs> yeah, walking past. Yeah. It was for dramatic effect, yeah. but it was, um, yeah, it, it did make me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I loved this uh, arc scene because. Just the, the, what do we call it? The run, the chase. It's not really a chase. The run to the arc, mm-hmm. yeah. um, was beautifully done. Uh, like, and it, it's all filmed and shot to look like a single cut. Yes. Um, uh, it has been confirmed that there's three hidden cuts. Very good. Um, by the, the cinematographer for this episode. Um, and, uh, just enjoyed the way it was, just the direction, the, the choice of the, the kind of the angles, the looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way like they did it and yeah it was just fun and you even get to see Loki essentially telekinetically hold a building with mm. um, with his magic which is a bit we more power than he's had before that. we have to talk about that definitely um, yes. he not only held the building but he reversed it back in place like as if he had a time stone which he yep. does not have nope unless he stole one from the TVA that was removed from a timeline and now it's working outside of the timeline, 
which I don't think he did because there was no there was no green light attached to it. He wasn't doing the the Doctor Strange move to reverse yep. time like we would have seen. No, that's um, true. But this is this it possibly plays into John's theory that this is something that's in his mind. Um, yep, it could know. be. I, I I took it more as the like. Because he within the comic books, uh, he is known to have telekinetic powers. Mm. I took it as it was an additional. It was that it was kind of like, hey, he's got powers. You're not going to ask questions later. Here you go. There yeah. you go. And he pushed right. the building. And wow. it's interesting. There's a lot of discussion between the two of them about what in the TVA and outside of the TVA about. The powers and the types of powers yeah. that they've had. You've yeah. had that with between Loki and Mobius. Um, you've seen very powerful objects reduced to uh, nothing more than paperweights. And then, you know, this discussion about, you know, because Sylvia in this is always is very much you're a magician. You're a magician. And that's what she's calling him. Uh, not a god. It's parlotrix. Par- no, yeah, yeah. Not a god of mischief or anything like that. Yeah. It's that. You're a magician, um, and they're constantly sort of, you know, trying to just probe about their powers. So yeah, this was really like it seemed unexpected to me that he reversed this, and maybe it is something to do with the the paperweights. Yeah, but see, the problem with the paperweights, it has to be within that universe. With the uh, the 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 many, he would have to have picked up, yeah, like a time stone from that drawer, yeah. With the possibility that the the Lamentus One universe it works in that universe, yeah, yeah, not exactly. one of the other multiple multiverses that yeah, they've yeah. got. It, like that one for me, I was just I took this as they needed a cool set piece, yeah, theoretically that we've seen in some of the um kind of because we have seen this run in some of the um trailers and things like that obviously without sylvie there she was digitally removed in those trailers which is interesting right um that's not really interesting i just find it cool that they can actually cut people out and still make it look cool i think they just op overpowered his power set here to make it look cool and i'm like all right like yeah like just you kind of have to remember that now going forward do you know how many months it takes to do CGI? I don't think this is in there for no reason. I think there's going to be an explanation for it. And if it's just, it's all happening in his mind because Sylvie's in control of him, these are the things that will stick out next week when we find out that piece of information. Maybe it's that. But for me, not it's not just overpowered. Ten minutes beforehand, he was beaten up by three ticket collectors on a, tra- on a train and thrown out the window. And now he's able to stop a building and reverse it back on top of itself. Like that's a massive difference in power set within 10 minutes. Maybe it is just the figgy port happens to affect his powers yeah. much more than, than we expected. And now it's all worn off. So now he's able to use the full maximum of his powers to be able to reverse a building in time. But, uh, yeah, he would need a cosmic stone to do that in the past. And now suddenly he's able to do it, uh, in a pinch. He would so. need a cosmic Alka Seltzer as well. Yeah. If he was <laughs> that, um, that full. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it does all end with the with the arc exploding and them not being able to get off the planet. So uh, I thought it was interesting that Loki, when he arrives, he makes a kind of comment which seems m- more um, more heroic than we've seen Loki in the past. He kind of arrives and, and looks at all the people around him and kind of says they're they're willing to let all these people die here. And it sounds like he's concerned for the people, which he's never really been 
uh, up to this point in in the movies. Never really been, been concerned about other people's welfare, which I just thought was interesting that he calls it out there. Um, but then it turns out that the only people that survive, because everybody that's aboard the Ark, I guess, dies in the explosion. Uh, well, we know they do because it's an apocalypse. That's part of the reason why yeah. they're hiding in this planet and is because nobody survives. So it, it, anybody that they've interacted with wouldn't know who they yes. are. Yeah, so. and it does explode. But, I mean, it looked to me like it was a meteorite sl- just coming down and slicing it in okay. in, in half as well. Right. And then all the explosions resulting from that rather mm. than it trying to take off and something was wrong, you know? Right. Because... Um, as well, the, the moon splitting, you know, the oh, big... looked amazing. It was really, really cool. Yeah, I Perfect. loved it. Um, so kind of really beautiful, I guess, um, even though apocalyptic. Hey. A bit like, uh, I guess, a mushroom cloud. True, true. Um, I I enjoyed this. I, more just because it sets up the... Oh... How do they get out of this scrape? Mm. Cut yeah. fade to black. Um, and again, just love the choice by Disney that, hey, they're going to leave. We are hanging for seven days now, folks. Like, mm-hmm. that's Absolutely. it. Like, I, my gut tells me that there'll be a, a, a 30 second clipper kind of that come out on Tuesday next week. Kind of like find out how they escape, and there'll be one or two. Like because they're doing a lot of commercials at the moment on uh, on the, the socials. Okay, they, that's what the kids say. I the am socials. glad I've been avoiding all of those. Yes, I'm uh, constantly surprised every week by what's going on. But maybe Loki did use a stone of power, and that's how they're going to track him down. That this use of the stone of power has kind of broken that protection yeah. that they have in an apocalyptic event uh, maybe by using the time stone if that's what he did uh, that's how they track him you know um there's a couple of possibilities obviously the the fact that they had tracked um sylvie den by using this all of the apocalypses around the time do they have something else that mobius could use to track down loki another uh, another connection that might be a place that he thinks they're hiding you know um yeah they, although they didn't go there on purpose it was accidental so um so i don't know whether that's that's a way maybe they she's just have a tracker on the device she'd been there multiple times before but apparently she'd been to all the apocalypses multiple times before yeah. so um because that's how she scans them out effectively so um so is there a way that is there a tracker on that particular device that, that because they went from the tva to there that maybe they can find her but uh, but i do think that's going to be the saving point because unless loki has another tempad somewhere uh and then the broken tempad was just a joke um i don't think there's a way out of it other than having mobius on the tva find them there yeah um, pretty much. so yeah i, I very much agree with there speaking of setup for <laughs> yes. the rest of the season i suppose there's one line in the episode which is a massive moment really for the series which definitely uh, is our final variant it's uh where sylvia reveals who all of the hunters are everybody that works for the tva is a variant just like them taken out of time for a reason. Like they arrived in work late one day and they were taken out of the timeline and put to work in the TVA. And it seems like none of them know it. Nobody knows it at all, really, it seems. What do you guys think of this as as the big reveal? Like, I suppose we saw a little bit of it with Mobius being connected to the 90s. Um, He seems to want 
uh, seems to think that the perfect uh, time in in history when uh, when form and function came together to create a jet ski in the 90s, which makes you think maybe that's where he's from originally. So he has some kind of memories in his mind that are breaking out from him. Um, Renslayer, for example, picking up all those trinkets from all of the uh, all of the things that her agents are going out and doing across the timeline. Is that her connection to it? Or are there other people working for her, uh, who are bringing back trinkets from their life uh, to her potentially? But that seems like every single person, kind of like I said last week, this idea that there's some kind of slavery going on effectively. They're yeah. being brought to the TVA and made work for them. Is that what Judge Renslayer is doing? Is she wiping their mind and making them work? Would that have been what happened to Loki? potentially uh or would they have just wiped them from the timeline yeah and then and the whole nefariousness of the timekeepers like mm-hmm. you you know you have mentioned uh from the previous episodes about you know uh the the situation seems you know odd mm-hmm. are, are they preserving something or are they trying to maintain something that maintains their own power and fate or destiny yeah. so it's it's like it that's really interesting then because it it just it opens up um quite a lot of possibilities i guess in particular it's going to be with mobius um yeah. uh so that i i thought this was a nice little reveal um for sure yeah and loki seemed very concerned about the idea that they don't know this as well yeah. he's, he's yeah. taken aback by the reveal himself but he kind of he seems to have made a, a bit of a friend with Mobius. He's kind of made some kind of connection with the character. Um, and he's concerned that Mobius would not know this about himself, effectively. So, again, we're seeing a bit more heroic Loki, uh, I think, from, from that moment. Yeah, yeah I, I, they are very much building him up now as the self-confessed anti-hero uh, of the mm-hmm. the Asgardian side. Um, it's going to be great. Going forward, he will be, in the next few phases, he will be a, a hero. Um in terms of this reveal, I loved it. It, 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 uh, I will, um, talk about what I, I said in the last episode when you brought this up, mm-hmm. uh, in that, uh, in the comic books, they're clones. Right, right. Um, so that was, they are literally made by the TVA. Mm-hmm. They are, uh, so, um, Mobius is one of hundreds of Mobius clones. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I would, I thought that was going to be the reveal, which is they went into another building, uh, within the time, within the, the TVA and there would be another Mobius and another right. clerk and another, like all of the same actors was playing different characters. I thought that was going to be it. Like each building had the same amount of clones, etc. Mm-hmm. So they never crossed. Yeah. Um, this is more nefarious. This and leans heavily into the theory that the TVA is our bad guys or where our kind of have been subverted. Maybe the, the, the rep, the reptile gods are no longer there and they are being controlled by different, um, different space gods or it's a different person hold controlling, or it is them. They are the, it is all about them keeping the, the, the prime timeline, the, the sacred timeline, so that they come to power or their, their chosen timeline that they're choosing yes. to call the sacred timeline. Yeah. But they're taking everybody out of, uh, of time and making them work for them effectively. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really cool reveal. Uh, I really want to see how that plays out uh, in the next couple of episodes. Um, I think that's it for the overall points for the episode. Any uh, notes for the episode? I just have the one, uh, just really impressive, uh, uh, little sci-fi Easter egg in there. Uh, two of the lamentous guards that, uh, that are, 
talking to Loki and uh, and Sylvia called out in the credits as Corporal Hicks and Private Hudson. Uh, reference to two of my favourite characters in all of sci-fi, uh, two characters from Aliens, uh, one played by Michael Bean and one played by Bill Paxton. Yeah. Game Over Man as the most Game famous line, I think, from all of Aliens other than uh, Get Away From Her, You... Oh no, I can't say that in this podcast. But, no, you can't. Uh, one, one of the one of the more famous lines you in batch. all of sci-fi. Um, you, you bad batch, yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, delivered by Bill Paxton, who played uh, Private Hudson in Aliens. So I love that they've done a little reference to uh, to Aliens in here. Same, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. definitely. It's got my sci-fi juices uh, are flowing. There you go. But there we have it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fellow defenders around the globe. We have come to the end of our variants, so that means one thing. The final question of this episode. Derek, do you defend this episode of Loki? Lamentous. I do. Um, <laughs> I think it was the right impetus, and having these conversations really important. Learning more about Sylvie was really important. Uh, an execution, I think there's a couple of things I didn't like. Um, initially with Loki and, uh, and Sylvie where he's taking his knives out and back and flicking his hair back and forward. It just happens too many times in the scenes. So it just felt a bit, it just felt a bit weird, the scenes and how they, how they were written. And then Sylvie's insistence, don't call me Loki, don't call me Variant. My name is Sylvie. It's not enough of a reveal. It's, 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 yeah. It makes people go and Google who Sylvie is in comic books and connect it to Enchantress. But if she'd said, I'm Sylvie, uh, Laufey daughter, uh, born on the same planet as you, and I wasn't taken by Odin, if she revealed her backstory in those scenes, I think it would have worked. Because I don't think there's, I don't want this to happen again. I don't want them to have the same conversation in future. Tell me more of your backstory. Um, this was this, this was the time to do it. You have an episode here where she has the ability to give you all of the information of who she actually is. You can guess what her plan is. She doesn't need to give us too much more of that, but this was the moment to do it. And I, I think that's why I uh, think it didn't work as well as it could have in execution. But that said, I'm a massive Doctor Who fan. This is Doctor Who with a massive budget. budget. I'm a massive Rick and Morty fan. This is live action Rick and Morty uh, on screen. So in the MCU. So uh, they did a really good job of that, of that part of it, I think, uh, overall. But I do defend the episode. It wouldn't be my favourite of the season so far. Excellent. John, do you defend this episode of Loki? Yeah, I do. Um, I do defend it. Um, but I, I'd give it three and a half figgy ports out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think similar to, to Derek uh, in, in some respects. Like, the first time I watched it, I just kind of didn't quite click with it to be honest um and i it was mainly because of that opening i like it 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 felt like it was really good and then it got into sort of get to know one another and i it like it definitely needs that for these two characters for sure um but i just feel they could have done that in the tva to be honest as i say there's plenty of big action movies and so on where there's that quiet moment of downtime where they do and i think as you say it it could have just been a bit more um efficient with you know getting to know you who are you why are you called sylvie and and rather than i mean there's reveals isn't there and then there's kind of i guess reveals and I, i don't necessarily think that the mystery around Sylvie now needs to be maintained around some of the details that yeah. she could have 
given in this episode. Like she basically um, could have said, "My name's Sarah," or "Yeah, yeah. And Brandy," or my name, whatever whatever name she said. She she literally didn't reveal it. You know, and I mean, unless it's going to be like in WandaVision with um with Agatha, or she is in fact Mephisto. Heard <laughs> 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 here, folks first. <laughs> I am joking. I am joking. Um, then I mean. I, I'm just kind of like, you know, it, it seems like to me they've pointed it firmly at the timekeepers and their role in what's coming um, in, in the future episodes. But I, I love the interaction with them. I like the, the, some of the stuff that they talked about. I thought Lamentis was an, an incredibly visualized planet here. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I, I loved some of the 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 gags uh, along the way as well in particular with the the old lady and the big blaster um i like that a lot um but chris after my three and a half figgy ports out of five do you defend this episode of loki episode three lamentis i i'm i'm right there with you folks um Mm -hmm. i'm probably a bit more dour on it um, just because for me, it felt like they did slam on the brakes. Um, and I, and not, not in a, like, they, they did something interesting with that time. They just, in my opinion, didn't do enough. Um, and I think that's the problem. Like, if you are going to build up this uh, essential, they, if they built, they built it up to the elevator, like the, the music's like, Sung and everything kind of the, the crescendos and the angels started singing and everything was like big battles and people were dying. Well, two people died. And I was like, Oh, this is like, and this is the reveal and this is going to set up the big bad. And then they just kind of, I, I say this on break. They did. They dropped us through a time door into another planet, into an apocalypse. And I was like, cool. Okay. You're going here. This is going to be, I made the joke, walking simulator. This is going to be a walk to the ark to their solution, and we're going to get the backstory of this variant. Oh, oh, we got Sylvie. Okay, cool. On the train, we're going to get... Oh, no, we get more about Loki. Okay. Maybe... Oh, no. Okay. Like, there's all these just little things. And I was like, I'm willing to trust that potentially this will pay off. uh, In that... Absolutely. Like, they've done this in other shows, and I... Again... Like, in Fahey, we trust. The guiding forces on this usually have an understanding of they've done this for so long. They've done it on yeah, feature films yeah. and they've done it on TV shows. I think this will pay off. I just think it, it it potentially could have been utilized slightly better. I think that's potentially... Like, they could have given us a bit more to sink our teeth into because now, again, what you do have is our fellow defenders and the wider audience now going Sylvie Enchantress Loki comic books. Like, people now are Googling the hell out yeah. of this and they're going to make... We're going to have a Mephesto again mm-hmm. where people are going to make up storylines for the next six days, five days. And then when that does not come, we will get like, oh, oh, she's not that. Okay, well, hmm. And it's just, it, it kind of... they If they had have given us a bit more, as you said, like, literally, my name is Sylvie Lokinson and... I am an Odinson too, but Laufenson was my uh, mother and actually blah, 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 blah. Like, just give us a, a small tidbit more. So I, I, I'm very much middle of the road. 
but willing to very much see where this goes because oh, I'm enjoying yeah. the journey. I yeah. enjoy the op- overpowered time change of a building. Yeah. We'll there never we- jump off a show in the middle unless it's Jupiter's Legacy. We would have jumped off that <laughs> halfway through if we were doing our podcast about it. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, like obviously we're going to see it uh, play out. I think. Yes, of I think all of us are in agreement. It's it's the execution in the episode where you have a moment with these two characters together. Give us a little bit more. Let them tell each other all of their information, not just connect on on uh, about their mothers. I suppose is is all. But do you know what would go really good with a bit of figgy port? A bit of champagne. So let's head to the pub. Gentlemen, let's head on over to our ever so popular pub quiz. John, what do you got? Yes, fellow figgy friends, uh, fellow quizzes, fellow defenders. It is the pub quiz. Uh, grab a, yes, grab a little, uh, glass of port whilst you, uh, ruminate on question three for episode three, Lamentis, uh, or even if, you are watching the episode again to to get the answer. A uh, bit of bit of port, maybe, and something to pair nicely with this as well. Um, I love that Loki was going to lick that off. I know exactly <laughs> so nicely with uh, with the figgy port <laughs> with a trampled train carpet. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, tasty Loki. Uh, you wouldn't do that on Virgin trains, no. I guess. Um, but yes, question three. Um, Loki and Sylvie are taking the train to the Ark, but where on Lamentis 1 is the Ark located? Mm. I can tell by your slight hesitation there, you almost read out the answer again. I did. <laughs> um, Why don't you give us the question again, one more time? Yes. Loki and Sylvie are taking the train to the Ark, but where on Lamentis 1 is the Ark located? Mm. Um, name of the text. Yes, the name that is in there. It is in there. All mm-hmm. these questions have got answers that all you need to do is watch Loki again. It, it's great stuff. Um, you know, Maybe. great TV that you watch again Sweet. just to get an answer for some great prizes. Um, that we're still trying to find. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's just so much choice out there. Like, Loki's been a character in the Mar- Marvel universe for, uh, 12 years now, yeah. you know, so there are some, uh, some, um, T-shirts being released for the show at the moment. There are some uh, Funko Pops, of course, because they come out with every single show. Uh, there's only two that have been revealed at the moment. One, one is Mobius and one's Loki, obviously. So uh, so we haven't decided whether it's just going to be Funko Pops again, uh, as, as we've been doing for the other Marvel shows, uh, or whether we'll uh, pick up something else. But there, there will be great prizes. We do always give away uh, great um, goodies over on uh, TV Podcast Industries for our pub quiz. So get your answers into us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Um, Either now, one at a time as the episodes go through, or at the end of the season, uh, well, you can put together all six and send them into us within that week after the episodes have finally aired. Fantastic. Well, gentlemen, uh, another thing that we do love to get here outside of the pub quiz answers is feedback. So let's jump on over to our feedback that we've received for this episode. First up is an email from Victor on episode two this time. Hail Derek. Chris, John, and fellow Defenders, I continue to enjoy the sparring between Loki and Mobius, as well as the byplay with B-15. I love her. Mm -hmm. I know a little of Lady Loki from the Dark Reign, and she still scares me. If I may ask a technical question, why does the TVA cling to rotary phones, CRTs, videotapes, and hard copies, as well as other ancient tech? Mm -hmm. It seems... Like some kind of clue. As always, enjoying your podcast and wonderful Defenders feedback. 
Wow, that makes me feel so old, Victor, uh, saying the TVA are clinging to rotary phones, CRTs and videotape and hard copies and other ancient tech. <laughs> <laughs> that feels, that feels I know. specifically made to make us feel old. I remember stuff. all of those things. Mm-hmm. I don't remember in the stone order, tablet <laughs> or the invention of the wheel, though. Exactly. I am not that old. I remember them in working order, not just in some kind of I scientific know. museum. Like. Uh, and, and the rotary phones that had the lock on because... Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Everyone's parents were um, the the phone bill was racking up. Yeah, <laughs> too long on your on the phone with your friends. <laughs> uh, why do they Why do they cling on to them? I think we kind of know. It's I think it's kind of revealed in this episode that because people are plucked from their own timeline, maybe uh, that's part of the reason. It's, it it makes them more productive workers to work with things that they used to use in their normal lives. Yeah. that's possibly it. Also. It looks really cool, and it's a real Jetsons thing. It's a real reference yeah. to uh, old sci-fi from the 60s and 70s that would use technology, even though it's set 2,000 years uh, ahead of when that technology Yeah, it's, it's difficult to know. I still think it's a stylistic thing, yeah. um, for sure. But What's the line from the episode? Uh, what makes Loki different? It's style, isn't it? It's all about style. Well, we do know <laughs> it is stylistic because uh, from episode two, Miss Minutes jumps out as a hologram. Um, from the CRT computer, the old, the old, old, <laughs> old computer. But there we are, Victor. Thank this is you so much. Because I have one beside behind me right now. I do not. <laughs> clack clack clack. Thank you so much, Victor. Appreciate it as always for your feedback. Uh, I should say, Victor Van Doom. Yeah, uh, thanks, Victor. And we also got some feedback this time, a voicemail from Steve Brown on episode two. Oh no, it's the return of the Loki Pokey staff. Oh, or as Kevin Smith called it. Hey, this is Steve, guys, and I've just started my first watch of Loki episode two. Wow, uh, another really good episode of, of Loki. I hope I get this to you guys in time. I don't remember what you said uh, when you said you'd be recording um, for feedback. But uh, um, man, I love that opening, the, that attack, uh, and the Bonnie Tyler song playing was great. Um, uh, the reveal of the female Loki. I think you guys uh, said something about that last week. It was possibly a female Loki. And uh, Mark and I talked about how the, the horned creature was reminiscent of uh, the helmet that uh, Loki wore. So now we understand why that was in the, the stained glass uh, window at the church. And uh, yeah, um, can't wait to see where this goes next week. Um, I'm going to have to watch this one multiple times. All right. I can't wait to hear you guys talk about it later. Thanks so much, Steve. I hope you're feeling uh, much better. Uh, I know you were, you weren't very well, uh, during the week this week, but, uh, great to hear your thoughts on that, on episode two. That's a good connection. We didn't really go back and say that in the first episode. We were talking about the, uh, this, the window that looked like a devil effectively and kind of joking that it was Mephisto, <laughs> of course. Um, but yeah, the horns on its head are, are the same as we see now on, on Sylvie's head and on her helmet effectively, which yeah. she uses in a fight, in, in the fight on the train. I love she that does. she took that off and stabbed someone in the neck with it. <laughs> it yeah. Really but- cool. Do you do remember in Ragnarok, Loki uses his horns as a weapon mm-hmm. on the, uh, the bridge, uh, uh, the rainbow bridge at the fight at the end. So yeah. it is, re- it is on point for Loki to use it as a weapon. She does it in, Sylvie does it in this one as well, in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've not heard, um, the Loki Pokey, uh, staff, uh, <laughs> at all. So, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe some new lyrics to, um, 
Don't Break My Heart, my Loki Pokey heart or oh, something like that. I don't know. Um, That's much better than Do the Loki Pokey. Which is well, that is true. There is that one as well. But I was thinking because he, he hid his, the temp pad in his heart or so he said. Ah, uh, very good. Uh, whether very that's good. the case, I don't know. But great stuff. Thanks, uh, Steve, for, for the feedback. Uh, we also have um, another email here on uh, episode three from Jerry. Mm. Uh, Jerry says, hey, guys. This episode was interesting. Very Doctor Who. Very cute Doctor Who Easter egg in the train dialogue. Uh, Sylvie's backstory still needs more fleshing out. What I find disappointing is the internet is only interested in the fact that Loki is bisexual. So what? It does not move narrative of the story or how I see the character past, present or future. TVA using mind white variants... How many Mobius variants are there in the TVA? Visually awesome episode soundtrack. Equally awesome Jerry in Niceful. Uh, thanks so much, Jerry. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think visually this was uh, pretty, pretty cool. Um, and uh, very Doctor Who, as, as we said. I'm not entirely sure I know which... Easter egg uh, from Doctor Who it is yeah. on the train and um, so w- definitely if you could fill us in on that that would be great I'll have to yeah. go and watch it again uh, and try and was, uh, listen actually, and remember very intently yeah, I, I was actually trying to catch it uh, the second time I watched it or the, or the time I watched it after uh, getting your feedback in Jerry and I didn't I didn't notice it damn it yeah <laughs> no I, I just took it as the the doctor and companion kind of talking, but that um, yes, please let us know, Jerry. Yeah, uh, there must there must be something in the dialogue itself. I'd say, uh, but please let us know, Jerry. Uh, as for the bisexual reveal and the discussion of the internet, we've said before you can find uh, people on the internet hating on something or loving something, uh, wh- whatever you're you're looking for. I think it's quite a massive thing after uh, having how many characters are in the MCU now, fifty, sixty characters, and having at least one of them speak to the fact that bisexual. And the entire point is that it doesn't make any difference to the character yeah. or their past, yep. present, or future and how we see them. But it does for some people. It will for some bisexual people seeing the representation of themselves on screen will make a difference to them. So I think it's really important to have that representation in the MCU. So uh, I'm glad it's there. Yeah, and um, definitely, as we'd said, I think Sylvie's backstory is still there to be fleshed out as well. Uh, like mm-hmm. we said, despite a little bit of reveal uh, in yeah. this episode. So uh, thanks. But, but uh, I do agree, Jerry. I wish it had been uh, fleshed out in this episode because there's a perfect opportunity there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, thanks, Jerry, for, for the email. Mm-hmm. Over on Facebook, uh, we have some feedback from Heather Wallace, who simply said... I want some figgy port. <laughs> if it makes me sing awesome Asgardian songs, I take some figgy port. But that was the other song uh, this had me uh, had me singing was uh, "We All Want Some Figgy Pudding." Yeah, I was saying for me. Verse of what? Um, it's some. It's a Christmas uh, hymn, isn't it, or something, or carol? I should say. Um, I think. But we I wish can't. it's "We Wish You a Merry Christmas." It's the second verse of "We Wish yeah, You a Merry I, Christmas." We all want some figgy pudding mm-hmm. and bring it right now. And it is yeah. absolutely sung in uh, in um, caroling time every year. And I don't understand it, but anyway, uh, a very old phrase. Uh, also over Facebook, Dad Lee says lots to digest. Wasn't a fan of the shorter runtime this episode. Just seemed to stop dead. Uh, I enjoyed the chemistry between Loki and Sylvie, although I'm left wondering which one of them will be the first to betray the other. TVA agents are variants that don't know it. Shady. Also, when Loki used his powers to stop that bit of building from falling, did anyone else think that he just used the time stone? The way the building almost seemed to reverse itself. 
Another thing to add, the Loki power scales seem to be so inconsistent. One minute he's a badass firing green bolts and taking down everyone, and the next he's being tossed out of a window by a couple of guards. Excellent, Dan. Yeah, I think we talked about a lot of those uh, at those points of the episode. So yes, we did think, uh, did he use the time, po- time stone on, the, on that bit of building? And uh, I really don't know the, the power balance there. I wonder if John's got a, uh, John's theory is, uh, it holds even more weight after, uh, after that discussion. Yeah, it did, I, I, who knows? We'll just have to wait and see because it, it'll be interesting. Because yeah, it, it kind of it felt weird for for Loki. Uh, like you would, it's almost like you would expect him to vanish, like he did with the Tempat, um, you know, yeah. and and move himself, um, rather than he kind of did the sort of um, Bruce Almighty pose where he kind of put his arms back, uh, like he was taking off his clothes. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and then the building just went up, presumably at the site of his six pack or something. Um, so, it, That's not all he showed off. Yeah, like, uh, oh my goodness, this, this, this fleshy human is way too strong for me to crush him. Um, you know, oh, fleshy God, I guess. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, definitely, uh, the, the, the power was a little weird, um, for sure. Yeah. Yes. No, I agree. Uh, still over on the books of faces. We have feedback from Elizabeth Nikolaevic, who said, Well, we're finding Sylvie is a mashup of Lady Loki and Sylvie Lushington, the second enchantress. But she is a variant of the God of Mischiefs from a branch timeline. So, she is Loki. Loki has always been gender fluid in the MCU. And now, it's like a Batman and Robin caper. How are they going to get out of this predicament? <laughs> Which, they no doubt will. Has Loki t- stolen the time stone as well? Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, it seems to be an amalgamation of those two characters as well as being an actual variant in the MCU. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with this. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess we'll find out how they get out of this predicament. Same Loki time. Same Loki channel next week. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a good thing. Um, it, really interesting, Elizabeth, because actually your your feedbacks made me kind of think, if he had the time stone, could he have done like Doctor Strange did with the apple? So he could yeah. use it to actually um, uh, restore the tempad and, in fact, well, exactly. charge it. So, yeah. like, in that sense. So um, I, I guess then he's certainly got an exit plan <laughs> if he didn't do that. And it was, and maybe, you That's know, true. the tactical advantage then here, whereas he's suggesting it, it's Sylvie has, is getting all the knowledge, um, and learning about Loki that maybe he's doing it, uh, instead in, in a slightly different way. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it seems like an odd one, doesn't it? I think, I think the drawer full of, full of infinity stones was just to show. When things are taken out of the timeline, they no longer have their power. I think that's that's yeah. all it was supposed to show. So I don't think it was a smoking gun they were planting in episode one, and then by episode uh, six, Loki's going to be walking around with his uh, fist full of of rings of power, basically. But it could be like episode four opens up because you see Loki still stood there as the arc has just been split in half and the moon has just effectively fractured in and he could just simply reverse it and reverse it and the moon goes back avoiding the apocalypse sending every tva agent in the entire multiverse to that point interesting interesting wow yes 
There we it are. It won't happen, of course, but nonetheless. <laughs> no, but we only have five days to wait and see. There you go. Also over on Facebook, uh, Alan Thomas says, I know this is a nitpick, but it bugged me. Edge of town, in which direction? You're not telling me a whole lot just by edge. This is the direction from uh, the lady who's protecting her homestead uh, sends Loki and uh, Sylvie to edge of town. I would presume they they had walked through the town to get to her, so they knew it wasn't uh, one edge. <laughs> they knew it was the edge that had the train at it. Uh, but which but, edge? <laughs> uh, she says where the train is. The train is at the edge of town, so I presume uh, you're aiming towards a train station. But yeah, it's an economy of, of script, definitely, Alan. Uh, Greg Schwamm also says, I'm sorry, did we hear the announcement ship is leaving in 10 minutes <laughs> as they were still walking up to the edge of the city or town? This seemed like a really far way to walk or run in five minutes. Uh, I like the, Sil- the Loki-Sylvie conversations and the train fight, but I don't know if it was my TV or what. The special effects CGI during the continuous city chase just didn't look up to Marvel standards. Maybe you guys covered it in the podcast, but what do you think the significance of the telescopic views where the corners are shaded and it looks like we are watching through a viewfinder. Interesting, Greg. Um, didn't see any of uh, of those scenes through the telescopic views. Um, I probably have to watch the episode again or else. Yeah, definitely need to see that. Because yeah. that could maybe be... send us a screenshot because um, I also didn't notice the CGI being a bit off Marvel standards in the in the city chase. Uh, so maybe it's it is your TV settings, Greg. Yeah, I hate to say that, Greg. I think, I'm sorry. but no, send us a screenshot because yeah. if it if it is if there was telescopic view, that would lend credence to John's theory a hundred percent because then it'd be literally like the see the CCTV. Mm-hmm. Literally, it'd be literally you pan out and that's that. Yeah, and that would be awesome. Actually, I would quite like that. That if just subtly there had been at the corners some kind of that telescopic sort of um, fuzz and, and, and shade to it. Uh, now, I haven't noticed it, no, no. but it, it's kind of almost like a stylistic choice of the timekeepers watching over mm-hmm. different things or something like that. That could be kind of really just a nice little touch. I mean, it's a stylistic choice for um, the director and the showrunner yeah. in that sense. Um, but certainly just kind of how... They like they did it with WandaVision with all the stylistic choices. I mean, that was obviously more upfront, but uh yeah, no, I, I like that idea, but um yeah, I haven't noticed it at all, Greg. No, and I I I, I the I have uh, a CX LG 4K bells and whistles <laughs> Dolby <laughs> Differenza <Sure>, well. TV <laughs> and looked up to scratch to me. Not gonna lie, the the, the chasing I, it looked very nice. It was slightly darker than usual, but that was more so that the neon pops uh, mm-hmm. in certain uh, elements of that scene. Um, but there you go. Yeah, all, all Chris said was words and numbers. There, that's all I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, exactly. That was a new language coming from Chris. I oh. think. And um, yeah, thanks, thanks, Greg, for for the um, feedback. Uh, Ray Ray Pod says a really interesting episode in that it puts the two adversaries in an apocalyptic situation, none of which gets resolved at the end. It gave it a real sense of weight to the episode that Loki and Sylvie were desperately trying to escape a doomed situation. It's interesting. We almost get an enchantress here comic readers will recognize sylvie as an enchantress but she seems to be an amalgam with lady loki too interesting to see where this goes as to how they get off this apocalyptic situation i can only think that loki has pulled a trick and still has a tempad uh, up his sleeve 
That absolutely, Ray, would be the simplest explanation is that maybe he's got two of them. Um, rather than time stones mm-hmm. or enchantments. So, uh, I think you may have, uh, kind of done the Gordian knot thing there and sliced through our, uh, complicated theories. But he but would have used it earlier though, if he, he had. I think so. Yeah, I think so too. He would have used it before now. He wouldn't want to walk all that way from the train all the way to there. Yeah, I think so for sure. <laughs> and lazy as Loki. definitely yeah this is all interesting this possible amalgam um between the enchantress um and and lady loki uh this could and you know with her also saying that she has been haunted by the tva really early on that actually you know in the sense that that sylvie hasn't veered from or branch the timeline more she is a threat to the timekeeper's sacred timeline that they're looking to preserve and mm-hmm. um, so it, it could be actually uh, an old switcheroo in mm-hmm. that sense yeah 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 thanks ray yeah thanks, thank ray. you so much ray our final piece of facebook feedback comes from lara willie swink who said I never knew Loki had such a lovely singing voice. While I like the Loki and Sylvie interactions, I felt the absence of Owen Wilson in this episode. Hopefully our awkward time cop duo is not separated for long. Nice to see Loki reunited with his true love, his twin daggers. And did Loki have telekinetic powers that we've seen before? I know while in the dark world, he did magically throw all the furniture in his prison cell with a magic tantrum. I don't think we've ever seen him stop a falling building, much less levitate it back in place. Mm, yes, true. thanks, Lara. Um, yeah, they they they've kind of overpowered him, or it's going to be he's like, oh no, I'm I, I'm I'm spent. My magic is done because I I have overdone it, and I can't cast any more magic for half an hour. And another building to the left falls down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it does, it does seem interesting. It's, it's an interesting one you point out as well, uh, Lara, about the, the dark world. I was trying to remember that scene. It's when he's stuck in the prison cell and his yep. prison looks perfect. And then the sheen is wiped off and he's actually, uh, yeah. is all broken down. All the furniture in there is all thrown around around him, isn't it? Um, I don't know whether we, do we see the tantrum of him throwing something? I think so. I well? think I do recall that, like the, the, yeah. the one that Lara references here right. for sure. And I, I think, you know, I actually hadn't really thought about it for some weird reason, but I think, um, the, the absence of own Wilson here, mm. it could be the, the you may have hit the nail on the head here for me a bit um i think i was trying i was struggling to kind of find why but i know last week i loved their their um interaction yeah. and, and their that just at one another throughout the whole of the episode and working together i really like that and of course they've kind of had that separation now so um i, I guess maybe it, it was a bit of reminiscing as well uh from uh the previous episode so uh yeah uh that's a good call there uh, lara thanks uh so much yeah Absolutely. Thanks to everybody that's sending all your feedback. We also have some, uh, some two final voicemails. Uh, we have a voicemail in from Steve Brown on episode three. Oh, come on. You're going to end it right there. The arc blows up. Uh, hey guys, it's Steve. I hope I get this in in time. It is Thursday morning here, so I'm not sure when you guys record, but, uh, just finished first time watching episode, uh, three and, uh, wow, uh, 
that's kind of a cliffhanger ending. Um, I'm hoping maybe there's a post credit scene, but yeah, I guess not. Um, I do have one question, and I'm going to have to ask it when I... Uh, why did the guards in the city attack them? Just because they weren't returning to their homes? There's no way, unless the guards in the city were the same ones from the train and recognized them, but why would they have been in the city? Why wouldn't they have been on the Ark? I don't know. Uh, so, anyway. Um, yeah, really good. I uh, love, I love this interaction between the, uh, Sylvie and, uh, Loki because it just, it's just fun, uh, to see. I love the whole talk about, uh, love and did you have someone waiting for you? And what about the princesses or the, or a prince and all that was, was just great. Just their whole interaction, uh, and uh, everything was was really fun. Uh, loved the scene at the shack. I think that's probably my favorite scene when she gets shot and then he tries his way and uh, he gets shot and she's like, which one was that? And he's like, no, don't even. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, can't wait to watch it again and hear you guys talk about it. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks so much, Steve. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> like, we all felt that at the end, which was, oh, Oh, that's the end. Oh, okay. Maybe there's going to be post credit. Maybe that's it. That's it. That's it. No, no. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That was literally, I watched all the way through. I even yeah. watched through the, the Disney Plus, like, localized language yeah. version credits. I was like, maybe they're really, like, they're going in on it and they're going to make you watch all the way to see all the, all the multiple people that have had to do different versions, make you work for your, uh, kind of post credit. No? Okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, that would be a deeply buried post credit indeed. That uh, would be for fanatics, Chris. We are, though. Well, we thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to know. <laughs> I, I have a name. Uh, that is exactly what I do. They are still doing that thing, though, on Disney Plus when you watch through the credits that um, the time that it shrinks down to the corner of the screen is when the cast list comes up and the yeah. actors who played the cast. I. I'm so annoyed with this. I, I wish they'd moved that by 10 seconds more. Whoever's programming Disney Plus. That cuts the cast to the bottom corner. Surely there's all these people at home that worked on the show and are going, Mom, look, here comes my credit on the screen. Look, oh, it's disappeared. Oh, now I have to grab the remote and, and click the button on it and stuff. <laughs> no, 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 Why it's okay, it son like and daughter. Just get the magnifying glass. Look, yeah. we'll look at your hard work <laughs> down in the corner there. It's like it's the one piece of the show I want to know after the episode is who made it and who started it and who, who acted in it, basically. So, um, yeah. so I, I'm, I'm surprised they do it there. Yes, but I also think they're doing it now because so many leaks have happened from it. Oh, credits. Maybe, they're like, yeah. hide them, hide them. No one will know. <laughs> yeah, and good call, Steve, on the guards in the city. I was thinking that, that they didn't really value their life because basically everything was crumbling around them. And rather than fleeing, they were still being very protective of the Ark, which... Um, Hold I, the line, John. Hold the line. Yeah, I guess it was really. Um, and the Shacks scene, I'm, I'm right there with you on on that one. So, uh, so th yeah, thanks so much, Steve. Um, we have one final voicemail from uh, Matt Murdock uh, on about the TVA theme from Loki. Yeah, absolutely. We love uh, Matt's breakdown of of the music uh, for for these shows. He's been he's been doing it on his own podcast, and uh, he thankfully does send in his breakdowns for uh, for the themes, on which the, is really well. nice. It's a really nice one. Yeah, take it away, Matt. Hello, Derek, John, and Chris. This is Matt from across the pond. Hope you guys are well. Hope you guys are enjoying Loki as much as I am. I love Loki. That's a double L, and I really love the way that 
Natalie Holt is approaching this score. I first experienced her scoring with a television show called Nightfall, where she took over in the second season and really applied some great textures to the score of that show and some real innovations just in the way that she used harmony to make you feel certain ways. And I want to talk about that, but I've got a lot to talk about. So I'll probably break this up into two different MP3s for you guys and maybe submit one this week and one for next week so that I'm not yammering the whole time. I'm sure there's tons of other great feedback that you guys need to get through. I'm going to focus on a cut that's actually been released on Spotify. It's the music that you hear during the ending credits and kind of the main theme of the show. It's titled TVA for our favorite new S.H.I.E.L.D. agency. (laughs) And it's very ominous, very big, very huge. But I really only want to talk about the harmony of it this time around. And we'll talk about other things that are important to me, like melodic shape and timbre, meaning the instruments, and rhythm as well, which is very important into the way that plays into time. I'll do that next time. Anyway, I've yammered enough. We can examine the harmony in both parts of this theme as it is played, but especially in the intro. I'm talking about this part right here. It has that one ostinato figure which just repeats over and over. But the most important thing that makes that very effective harmonically is the key that it's set in. So the root of the key, or what feels most like home, like the place that the key is centered in, is C-sharp minor, this. And the fact that it's minor is very, very, very important. A long, long, long time ago, a gentleman by the name of Pythagoras who you may know for his triangle work, actually tried to apply math to a whole lot of things, including music. And his discoveries are things that composers continue to use today. One of those things being that minor chords or minor keys make us feel more serious than major keys, which make us feel resolved and lighter. To exemplify that, I am now, after you've already heard me play the piece as it is, I'm going to play it for you as if it were in major instead of minor. If it was in D flat major instead of C sharp minor, this is what it would sound like. ominous as the other version, right? Yeah, it kind of feels a little lighter. And these are the kinds of things that Pythagoras discovered as he worked with math and music. Something else that he worked is the distance between notes is what creates those kinds of feelings of uncomfortableness with us. The interesting thing that he found was that the more symmetrical or when the distance of the notes is closer to being exactly the same 
the more uncomfortable we get. Now, you would think that symmetry would make us feel better, but it doesn't. We like asymmetry. Major chords are much less symmetrical than, say, diminished chords, which are completely symmetrical. And diminished chords often make us feel fear. And a lot of that line that we hear running in between the big chords actually also creates a tension that the chords then try to release for us. Again, if we're in this key, that ostinato line that we hear never feels like it actually gets home to that root. It never feels like it actually gets home. It feels like it wants to get home, but it doesn't ever get there. If you think of the score for any of the Halloween movies, same kind of principle. But then we also have the other part of that little figure, this one. And the distance between those notes, what we call an interval in the biz, is a tritone. And you don't need to know these terms, but the whole idea is that a tritone is perfectly symmetrical within all of the notes available to you within a scale. And what happens there is it never feels resolved until you put some kind of resolution on it. Again, if you're in this key, then I could actually keep playing that interval of a tritone over and over and over and over, and it would drive you crazy until I resolved it. Uh, yeah, I can't leave that like that. I got to resolve it. Whew. Okay, I feel better now. My point being is that these are the kinds of conventions that have been used for a very long time, but Natalie Holt uses them very, very well for this final theme because, goodness gracious, this is a mess, this whole time-skewing thing. And who are these time lords and what all this? There's a lot of tension in the story. So she creates that tension in the music, in the main theme. My friends, I have yammered enough. Uh, thanks to your listeners for tolerating me. Thanks to you guys for tolerating me. Hope you continue to enjoy the series. I know I will. I'll try and do a second part for your next podcast. Take care. Thank you so much, Matt. Great to hear your thoughts. Uh, Matt Murdoch there from the uh, Double P Podcast Network. Um, I love that you tried to drive us mad, uh, by not resolving the notes there in, in your, <laughs> in your piece. But that is really fascinating. Anybody else hear the Halloween theme now? Oh, uh, definitely. Uh, definitely. Instantly hear the Halloween theme. Um, when, when you pointed it out there, Matt, that's really interesting. Yes. Thank you so much, Matt. Uh, all I can hear is triangles. I honestly did not know Pythagoras did this. So it's really interesting. <laughs> you can now hear triangles. Well, I can really now hear triangles. Maybe true. Matt has driven you mad. I mean, but that's it. I mean, it's interesting, like with timing and so on, music's always been to me has that mathematicalness around timing and, and, and rhythm mm-hmm. and so on. Um, uh, but. Certainly with the Pythagoras element and even just like the idea of more symmetrical, um, makes you more uncomfortable. It mm. almost feels to me linking in from a, like a chemistry point of view around like, which is also, it's a mathematical equation in terms of entropy that generally high, highly symmetrical things will, will tend to, um, have a low entropy and, it will tend towards high entropy, which is effectively ter- going into sort of 
destruction and aging and, and more chaotic. Mm. So um I, I think that's really interesting because yeah, that would make you feel, I get, you know, that the idea would make you feel um uncomfortable. Uh, like a lot of the yeah. stuff in nature, it's actually fractal or it's chaotic. It's so um that looks natural. Yeah. yeah. I guess. Really good. I think that's a good note to end on though. Um, I was going to say the, the entropy of this, podcast has come to an end we are in the final phase of this podcast yes thank you so much for your feedback thank you matt thank you everyone thank you all fellow defenders we are at the end if you want to hear more from us you know what you can do head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com and make sure you subscribe if you want to hear your dulcet tones on the podcast you can send it to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com but mm-hmm. also just send us an email whatever you want we'll throw it all you can also head on over to facebook and we will pull it from there yes thank you so much ladies and gentlemen we love your support we love your feedback but you can also support us for an intergalactic credit or an infinity stone mm-hmm. by heading on over to patreon.com slash tvpodcastindustries and we will Gladly take it. Or you can head on to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI where you can keep, since we're going to be doing a lot of editing this week, mm-hmm. you can keep our editor-in-chief, the fantastic Derek, in coffee because he needs it. We will yes. be back later this week with the next episode of Bad Batch. Oh, yes, it's Bad Batch episode 9. And who knows where they're going to lead that one. But we'll also be back the following week, next week, with episode four of Loki and all your feedback. And who knows, how are they going to get out of this predicament? This It's going to be a mystery. Absolutely. But only for five or six more days. Yes, not exactly. too bad. Not too bad. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Yes. Thank you so much, fellow defenders. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. For all time. Always. Yes. Especially defend that figgy port. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye.